0: Welcome back to the MMA meeting Let's Talk with the Weasel podcast where we talk all things MMA and it's a great day I mean the weather's nice I started working out again full of energy and positivity I guess but also in MMA I feel like things are starting to go into the right directions now like the lightweight division for an example that division's like the prime representation of the UFC getting all mixed up and order just thrown out the window right a lot of chaos and with Dustin Poirier winning the interim belt and Khabib addressing Poirier as his next opponent Things are really going into the right directions now Because for a long time, think about it For a long, long time Years You probably didn't realize it But the UFC's been out of whack for a very long time And now that I watch it I watch the lightweight fights I watch, you know, even the Russia card I feel really good about where the progression of these fighters is actually going to go Whereas before, if a fighter won their fight I couldn't tell you where that would put them in their division And especially where in line for the title shot The heavyweight division is still in limbo, I guess, because Brock Lesnar could still get into a title fight with Daniel Cormier, which, in my opinion, I know some people like to see it, especially some of my friends and some of my relatives really like to see the Brock Lesnar and Daniel Cormier fight. But for me, man, it just doesn't do anything. I'm very confident D.C. is going to win that fight handily. And in Brock Lesnar, remember, this is just my opinion, I'm not the most interested in watching Brock Lesnar fight, to be honest. I'd much rather see Stipe fight DC that's the fight that should happen next because Engano is blowing right through everybody since the Stepe fight actually since yeah the Derek Lewis fight which is kind of an outlier in his performances he's knocked out Curtis Blades and he's knocked out Cain Velasquez in what under two minutes if you combine both of those fights a win over JDS and I will say with confidence that Francis Ngannou deserves a title shot over Stepe Miocic I believe he would leapfrog Mio just because Mio just hasn't done anything he got knocked out in the first round against the champion whereas Francis Ngannou has never fought the champion yet in DC that is and he's beating all the number one contenders he's beating legends Curtis Blaze talked about to get a next title shot if he beat Ngannou and it's not that he's beating them he's destroying these guys while Stipe is sitting out doing nothing so the best time to make that Stipe fight with DC is now Stipe right now deserves it more I love to see the rematch. I think it's still a competitive fight. For some reason, I think Stipe can beat DC... But after seeing Stipe get knocked out so easily by one shot, I understand he didn't see it coming. I understand the eye pokes. I made a breakdown in that fight before and I, you know, pointed those out. Definitely got poked in the eye a couple times, without a doubt. Still getting knocked out that easily is a bit alarming and DC is known to have an amazing chin. I will side with DC, but I still give Stipe enough of a chance to make it a very much anticipated fight. But yeah, the heavyweight division is like the only division that's a little bit in limbo of, of where title shots are warranted and whatnot every other division seems pretty good especially Max Holloway losing is going back to 145 and we have some good fights coming up like Jose Aldo versus Alexander Volkanovski which is the next pay-per-view on UFC 237 if Volkanovski wins 100% title shot and the reason why that's such a compelling fight is because Holloway has never fought that kind of style before and that kind of style has dominated the top ranks for a long time at 145 when you go back to guys like Frank Edgar. Chad Mendes a little bit Ricardo Lamas you know other fighters like that Volkanovsky is that sort of style with that sort of stature to go with it you know a shorter stockier powerful quick fighter so that's going to be interesting and if he loses to Jose Aldo it's going to be tough to know who gets the shot at Max Holloway do you give Jose Aldo a third shot at Holloway I don't know man I mean Beating Jeremy Stevens by knockout, beating Hanato Moicano by knockout, who was next in line for a title shot if he beat Jose Aldo. And if he goes out there and beats Volkanovski, who is another guy who was about to get a title shot, if he beats Jose Aldo. In any other division, if you never fought the champion twice, if you only lost to him once, let's say, yes, this would warrant another title shot. But we also have to remember that Jose Aldo took the rematch against Holloway on short notice. You know, do you reward him for that a little bit by giving him a third shot? But there is a beat. Zabit should be fighting Brian Ortega that is the absolute fight to make for Zabit and even for Ortega if Ortega wants a top ranked fighter and I love that fight stylistically it's such a compelling fight I do favor Zabit because of his takedown defense because of his immensely superior striking and he is a lot faster Ortega I would say has a little bit more power and more grit and maybe a better chin I don't know I mean we did see Zabit take a big shot from Stevens and he was able to take it very, very well. So it's an interesting fight. It's very compelling. I want to see that fight. And if Zabit beats Ortega, which I think he should be able to. I think he should fight Max Holloway. And after seeing Holloway fight Dustin Poirier, I do give Zabit a pretty good shot. You know, people have been questioning my my prediction on that fight. And my opinions of how that fight might go down. You know, people are questioning, you know, Zabit hasn't fought anybody yet. And with a style, it's a little bit too explosive because he gasses out later. He doesn't pace himself very well. All that stuff. Yeah but Dustin Poirier was kind of gassing out in this fight he lost the fourth round I believe right I think it was the fourth round that he lost or it might have been the third but he was slowing down in that fight after the second round which is something that can happen to Zabit but Zabit is a lot more dynamic I won't say he's as powerful as Dustin Poirier is but he does have better grappling he does have better wrestling and he has more variety in his striking to keep Max Holloway busy at all times and he's much longer right Max Holloway is 5'11 so people automatically think he's such a lengthy fighter but his reach is only 69 inches it's a very short reach for a guy 5'11 Zabit is what 6'2 6'1 6'2 and he has a 73 inch reach so his reach is gonna be way longer than Max Holloway's not only the height difference the reach difference itself is big four inches is considerable and significant and that is something Holloway has not fought recently I mean he has fought Conor McGregor he had a hard time with the reach He did fight Dustin Poirier. Dustin Poirier has a longer reach and it gave him some problems where he was trying to get outside the reach but Dustin Poirier was able to dig in a little bit more than his recent opponents have been able to and catching him at the end of the punches. That's going to be magnified against a guy like Zabit. So I'm so that is the number one fight for me in this 145 pound division. I hope that fight gets made in the near future but a segue to Dustin Poirier. I mean how impressive can one fighter be? Throughout their career, I know there's Michael Bisping who is another one, really impressed a lot of people, especially me, later in his career, able to do the things he was able to do. But Dustin Poirier, I mean, you're able to see his progression since that Conor McGregor loss. I know he lost to Michael Johnson early on in his 155 pound career, but he was always getting better. And when he fought Max Holloway, he showed to be a completely different fighter. Even I talk with some people I know that haven't been up to date with Dustin Poirier. And look how crazy this is. Imagine this. Put yourself in the casual fan shoes. So I know someone that hasn't watched a Dustin Poirier fight since he lost to Conor McGregor. And he watched him fight Max Holloway. So he didn't see the progression. But when I talked to him about it, he said, I've never been as impressed with a fighter more than Dustin Poirier. Yeah, because if you go and watch his fight with Conor McGregor and the way he was able to perform and his techniques and all that, and then go all the way to his fight with Max Holloway he looks like a completely different fighter he looks like a championship quality fighter and that's exactly what my friend was telling me he used to be a hardcore fan he stopped being a hardcore fan around like 2000 early 2017 ish somewhere around 2016 early 2017 so he really didn't see the big fights of Dustin Poirier and he was stunned by the guy he became like he couldn't believe it because back in the day Dustin Poirier was always known as the guy that couldn't win the big one he was always known as that Michael Bisping kind of a fighter. You know, remember Michael Bisping? Getting all these wins, fights Vitor gets knocked out. Or fights Dan Henderson gets knocked out. He stacks up wins until he's in that number one contender fight. And then he always loses it, right? Luke Rockle, then Chael and you know, so many fights. Dustin Poirier was that guy. And seeing him beat guys like Anthony Pettis and Justin Gaethje and Eddie Alvarez, he hit a new level in his game. And he goes and shows off against one of the best fighters today and one of the best 145 pound fighters of all time and Max Holloway that's a legit win that's more of a win than Khabib beating Eli Quinta but don't mistake that saying that Khabib is not a real champion because he beat Eli Quinta to win the belt well Khabib has defended against Conor McGregor who was a legitimate champion 155 pounds but that should be an amazing fight. I do heavily favor Khabib still. Khabib is just such a hard guy to fight. His striking is getting better. When you wanted to beat Khabib, that was like three years ago. when that guy's striking was wild and full of openings. His defense is so good now. And he's so fast offensively. I won't say his offense is as technical as his defense is. Or as solid as his defense is. But it's fast and it's powerful. His defense is a lot more reliant on technique to get away from strikes and not get hit clean you know he's doing a very good job at that he barely ever gets hit if he keeps this up Habib can be fighting at the top level for another what seven years or something he could fight all the way until 37 years old and be in his prime if he doesn't get hit like he is now like he barely ever gets hit the hardest shot he's ever taken was against uh Michael Johnson that right hook second was probably against Conor McGregor with that uppercut even though that wasn't anything crazy It did hit him pretty clean, but it didn't have any real effect on Khabib. Like Michael Johnson's right hook was able to stun him a little bit and get him to back up. But Dustin Poirier is definitely going to test that defense. He also has good grappling. He has good solid wrestling. But the striking is really where Dustin Poirier is going to want to fight. And we're going to see what a striker, especially a boxer, like Dustin Poirier is able to do to Habib. We're going to see. It's going to be very interesting, that part. If it goes to the ground, Habib is going to maul Dustin Poirier. I'm pretty confident in that. But I also do believe that Habib may be able to get some jabs on Dustin Poirier and surprise him. And whenever you talk about Habib, someone's always going to bring up Tony Ferguson. And it seems like he's starting to uh, put everything back together. You know, his wife canceled the restraining order thing. He seems to be back to his old self. He seems to be motivated to get back into the octagon. And he wants to fight Khabib. He's probably not going to get it, unfortunately. He can wait it out. If he waits it out, I think he will get title shot. He's sworn to that title shot a long time ago but he can go out there and fight Justin Gaethje for a title shot that would be the number one contender fight probably I would say and that's a wild fight I would love to see Tony Ferguson fight Justin Gaethje I do favor Ferguson but that first round is gonna be dicey in that first round Justin Gaethje is a world beater I think he is the best fighter in the first round at 155 pounds and Tony Ferguson gets hit he leaves his chin in the way a lot overhands and especially that right hook of Justin Gaethje is probably going to find home pretty early and how is Tony Ferguson going to be able to recover from that? is a different kind of power than he's used to facing and Tony can only take so many shots to the head while trying to survive that you know eventually one of these shots are just going to put him out to the point where he can't recover anymore because that's just the state of human beings pretty much you can't take too many shots to the head until your body's like nope we're not going here again shuts off on you and you don't have the chance to recover anymore but if Tony Ferguson sticks with a more passive approach like when he fought RDA or Kevin Lee for that first round, first two rounds because he knows Justin Gaethje is very explosive there he could probably do some things like he did in those fights he got RDA to start punching himself out a little bit even though RDA won the first round Kevin Lee, you know, he had a staff affection and Tony noticed that so he played that into his game plan even more Justin Gaethje naturally doesn't have a great gas tank so if he can get Gaethje to punch and miss constantly for that first round and then pick it up in the second, and especially the third, fourth, and fifth, if it needs to go into those rounds, Tony Ferguson should be capable of coming out on top and TKOing Justin Gaethje. It's a crazy fight. I mean, it's like Tony Ferguson, the Alfa Romero 4C, up against a Bugatti Chiron, if you're into cars and stuff. It's kind of the reference. I mean, you got on one side, great gas mileage, has good enough horsepower, can go pretty quick when it has to, versus a high horsepower, heavy car, but really low on the, on the MPG there. What else has been going on in MMA these days? I mean, Darren Till getting in trouble. I saw the meme where it's like, it says Darren Till gets arrested for, uh, what did he do? Steal a taxi and wreck a hotel before that. I mean, bad decisions. Then it showed, uh, Conor McGregor having like that high road face, you know, like he's looking down and the caption's like, only one arrest. I don't know, man. That's not a good sign at all. That is really not a good sign. I understand getting knocked out and coming off a loss like Corey Maslow, you want to take some time off. But that's the way you're taking your time off. Young guy, you know, of course, probably going to make some bad decisions in his life. But you have a promising career ahead of you. And that's how you're going to waste your time off. I mean, I would expect him being in training always, you know. Constantly trying to get better. Always working on his craft. That loss probably eating away at him, but the way he took the loss, I know we want to we want to praise when people take losses very well in terms of you know the loss doesn't define me and all that stuff. But sometimes it comes off as it just doesn't motivate them after. It's like no, it really doesn't mean anything to them. So, but when I hear of losses and people are obsessed with getting back in there and getting a win and always getting better, like let's say Conor McGregor when he came back to fight Nate Diaz a second time, super motivated, almost. Sickly obsessed to get that win. That is what you really want to see. I understand Yeah, fighters saying loss doesn't define me. You know, I took a loss it happens all that stuff You know, it looks like they're all nonchalant about the whole thing like it's so casual for them No, I want to see passion. I want to see something that's burning a fire in them That's what I want to see and Darren Till kind of gave that same response to after the fight You know like it's nothing Big, you know, it's not a big thing. And that same mentality also goes to when people win belts. I mean, you see so many fighters when they win the championship, they're like... The belt doesn't mean anything you know being a champion doesn't mean anything either money motivates them or what they can do with this motivates them more than just being the champion which is you know those are good focuses as well but then you see someone like Dustin Poirier right when Dustin Poirier won the interim belt he was super enthusiastic and super motivated to be the champion he was so happy to be the champion and he still is. He always talks about how, you know, he sees his daughter complimenting the belt and recognizing what that is. And Dustin Poirier is just so proud of being the champion. I mean, that gets you excited, you know. That gets you excited to see Dustin Poirier fight again. That gets you excited to see a fighter actually be appreciative of being a champion at the highest point of the sport. When you see fighters not be that appreciative of being the champion and just winning the belt. Extremely anticlimactic. I mean, you see them go through this whole progress of becoming the champion of getting that title shot all that stuff then going through a crazy fight with the champion to eventually win the belt just chaos everywhere emotions everywhere and then they're all like nah champion doesn't mean anything to me it doesn't define me this is nothing it feels like any other day like what I don't know man The way Dustin Poirier reacts to being the champion and how it's different for him now That's the kind of feeling you want every fighter to feel after becoming the champion Not every fighter is just nonchalant about the whole thing So many fighters who became a champion like George St-Pierre for an example Right he was super enthusiastic when he won the belt That's what you want to see You know that's what brings passion into the sport I don't know man when I saw that from Dustin Poirier I became an instant train rider for that guy Now let's get to the questions Alright we're gonna start with Emilio Gonzalez now that we've seen Max at 155, who do you got? Holloway versus Connor two. Also, how do you think Poirier versus Connor two plays out? Okay, Holloway versus Connor two. After seeing the Poirier fight, I think Connor will dominate the first two rounds, like absolutely dominate, rock Holloway a couple times. But I still don't think Connor is going to be able to keep up the pace, right? I think the pace is going to be crazy for him in those first two rounds. Like I said before in my prediction video, to beat Holloway. You have to stop that snowball effect at all times. You gotta punch with him. You gotta beat him in the exchanges. You gotta keep busy, right? To beat Holloway, it's gonna require some cardio out of you. It's gonna require some energy out of you. And Connor just naturally doesn't have a good gas tank. So I think Holloway eventually in the third, fourth, and fifth rounds, I think he's gonna be able to really pick up the pace and get maybe some 10 8 rounds on Connor McGregor. So I think Holloway would still beat Connor. And Dustin Poirier has a good gas tank. Look at him fight Anthony Pettis, Justin Gaethje, Eddie Alvarez. Great gas tank. But he was slowing down against Holloway. Because he had to pick up the pace and punch harder with every single exchange. And he had to win every single exchange. That's a taxing battle to participate in to fight a guy like Max Holloway. And Poirier versus Connor, 2, I got Poirier. I got Poirier. Um, his boxing is crazy good. The wrestling I think would be the biggest difference that would give Poirier the win though. He could mix up the game on Connor very, very well. And Poirier's a big guy for 155. I think he's bigger than Connor. And then we go to James Haygreen. If when you enter pro competition, will your MMA nickname be The Weasel? I don't know. Probably. I mean, people would definitely be calling me that. But... it be my official nickname i have no idea it depends what people what most people will be calling me matthew curry ufc champs versus bellator champs versus one champs now i'm gonna be honest here i don't know all the champs from bellator and especially one i would have to think ufc champs would win most of those um Gagar mousasi versus whitaker is definitely a big one that's a big big fight that's a very competitive fight where Gagor can really mix up the game on Whitaker Whitaker I think will have overall an advantage on the feet. But can Gager get to the ground? I have a hard time believing so I think it's a very good striking match I think Whitaker will come out on top though I can't really give you a good answer on that Because I haven't done too much research on all the champions Rory McDonald versus Kamar Usman I got Usman in that one I think the wrestling is just too strong I think he's just a little too long I think he's just physically a little bit too strong for Rory in terms of Ryan Bader versus Jones, I mean, that's not a good fight. DC versus Bader, that's not a good fight for Bader either. Is Michael Chandler the lightweight champion? Yeah, he's not going to beat Habib at all. The pace is just too much. He can scrap it out with Habib a little bit. But I think Habib's striking defense is enough to stop Chandler from getting anything through. And the wrestling just goes completely on Habib's side, even though Chandler is a very good wrestler. And then we go to Evil 6. What should Max have done differently to beat Poirier? It's hard to say what he could have done because he pretty much fought the way he usually fights He was just outgunned and the length give him a, a bit of a problem there One big thing I think he should have done differently though Or should I say he should have added to his game was kicks He threw almost no kicks I don't even think he threw a kick Right spinning kicks knees even elbows in the clinch when it got in close Those would have mixed up the game a little bit more I think a little bit more covering up using his guard more more head movement instead of just moving his feet because Poirier was really tracking him down with his punches. His defense should have been overhauled with just more guard work, more walking down Poirier instead of moving in and out and then completely moving away whenever Poirier went after him because he's moving his feet too much. Head movement as well as pointing out the guard a lot more for his defense and kicks and knees definitely should have been added to his offensive game. Then we go to Kets Ndlovu. Number one, who are the gatekeepers of each division? A heavyweight probably Alexei Olenek? Maybe or Mark Hunt at this point? A light heavyweight, I would say Jimmy Manua. If you can get past Jimmy Manua, you should be fighting the top ranks. At middleweight, I would probably say now it's Derek Brunson. He was coming up the rankings and then he just kept losing to the big dogs. So, welterweight, I'd probably say Neil Magny. I mean, look how low in the rankings you have to go because of how crazy stacked this division is. How is Anthony Pettis below Steven Thompson? Pettis is number 8 and Thompson is number 7. How is that possible? Pettis just knocked him out. Well, going down to Neil Magny at number 13, I think that's the gatekeeper. At lightweight, i say at this point might be Edson Barboza. Yeah... Probably Edson Barboza. At featherweight, it's probably Cub Swanson. Could be Jeremy Stevens. But I say Cub Swanson at this point. At bantamweight, I'd probably say John Dodson. If you could be Dodson, you, know, you have your shot at the top guys. At flyweight, it's very hard to say. Probably Wilson Hayes now. Maybe Tim Elliott. At women's bantamweight... I'd probably say Kat Zingano, um, Woman's flyweight, this is almost impossible to say because the division is just moving on So I can't really give a good, who I'd predict probably will be the gatekeeper Which is, being a gatekeeper is not like a bad thing, you're still a good fighter It's just, you're the guy or the girl that's pretty much at the gates of the top ring So you beat the gatekeeper, you can now fight the elite fighters of the division So my prediction for the flyweight division, it'd probably be Lauren Murphy woman's women's strawweight I'd say it can be either Carla Esparza, Tisha Torres or Michelle Watterson And then number two, which gatekeeper has the best chance of becoming champion? So pretty much who's the best gatekeeper? I'd probably say Edson Barboza even though I don't favor him against the champion I mean they're gatekeepers for a reason You're not gonna favor them to ever become the champion right? But then again Michael Bissing was the gatekeeper Dustin Poirier was the gatekeeper They became champions So you never know in the sport, man. Big fan. Keep up the good work. Thank you so much, and thanks for the question. Then we go to Kagan Baghirov. Early prediction for Sahudo versus Morais. Don't you want to see Sahudo getting knocked out by Morais? Just so he stops talking about his Olympic gold medal. Wait. Sahudo has a gold medal? In the Olympics? Wait, when? Oh, in wrestling. Oh, I didn't know that. He should talk about it more often. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I mean, he shouldn't mention that. Why does he ever mention that? So... Sohudo versus Moraes. I favor Moraes, but Sohudo is an easy guy to underestimate in this kind of fight. I mean, Moraes has a striking advantage, he has the power advantage, he has a takedown defense, he has a good submission game. He has a very well rounded game with crazy power and some of the best timing you'll ever see in any fighter in the UFC, as well as insane precision. I favor him to knock out Sohudo, to be honest here. So, it was gonna be a hard guy to submit. But I do see him getting chin checked a couple times. Sohudo likes to keep that karate stance back and forth, linear movement with the heavy right hand, as well as great wrestling all around the board. It's just a little bit too one-dimensional in the striking for a guy like Morrise. I'm not saying Sohudo is one-dimensional in the striking overall, but just to fight a guy like Morrise. Moise can see that like he can see the one dimensional aspect of Cejudo's game Which is gonna be pretty hard and the takedowns are not gonna come easy at all So at all I see Morais' timing and his power shots to eventually find Cejudo's chin a couple times before he gets knocked down Head kicks are gonna be there I mean Moise catches everybody with head kicks I see left hooks and especially check left hooks in there Then we go to Marvin Bilan or Bilan Billing, probably. Do you also find Joe Rogan's commentary has slipped in quality in recent years? It seems to me he often wants to shape the perception of the fight to fit his ideal narrative. The best example of this is likely his bias in analyzing Rondo's fights. But more recently I noticed his significant blind spots in the Magomed Sharipov-Stevens fight. A clearly tired Zabit was somewhat tested by an established gatekeeper. And Rogan goes on how he lives up to the hype. Am I off in this or do you notice a similar trend? Keep up the great work. You have quite some talent for analysis. Thank you so much. Um, I do agree that Rogan's commentary has slipped. The whole thing about him trying to shape the perception to fit his narrative. I never really thought about that. Yes, in the Ronda fights, 100% that was happening. I think it was more his bias toward Ronda Rousey. I mean, he has said some things there. Pretty out there he says something like Ronda would be half the male bantamweights or something crazy like that I don't know if he was on the bandwagon of Ronda beating Floyd Mayweather and another fight that he was really hyping up was when Nate Diaz started putting on some output on Conor McGregor in their second fight in the second round I believe toward the end of the second round as well as the third round you know many times he would say oh Conor is hurt or this and that and in those sequences he wasn't really hurt like when he stumbled backwards, I understand to maybe some people, it could look like Connor got rocked and he stumbled backwards. But I think most people saw that Connor kind of tripped up a little bit. And a lot of the punches that Ney Diaz was missing, you know, Rogan was going crazy, like they were landing. I mean, it seemed like he wasn't looking at them honestly or for what they were. And whenever Connor was starting to land on Ney a couple times, he didn't really address them as much. So maybe he swayed some of the public. Watching that fight toward Nadia's side. And he does seem to do that a lot when there's crazy exchanges. Like uh, Zabit versus Kyle Bakniak. I mean most of the shots that Bakniak was throwing were not landing at all. And even live I was able to see it. But Rogan was going crazy like Bakniak was about to knock out Zabit or something. When Zabit really wasn't getting it. But overall I don't think. I haven't paid attention to it. But I don't think he has been trying to shape the perception of the fight. But the quality of his analysis during the fights. And his commentary has definitely slipped he used to get a lot more in depth of things he used to say with the analysis he used to bring into his commentary and these days is just very generic almost like hype up phrases that he uses or he kind of states the obvious but the thing about Jorgen is he always brings really good energy and sometimes he does make fights they're really heated and very back and forth. He does make them pretty exciting to watch with him as the voice in the background. But yeah, I do usually catch him. Try to notice this, but I've noticed this about two years ago, and ever since I notice him keep saying that everything looks good, like everything every fighter does is amazing or beautiful or whatever, you know, even though they kind of aren't. I still do like joe rogan's commentary i still like that he's been in it a while he's very experienced but it's just like anything just like the fighters who are one foot in and one foot out rogan's kind of that way with his commentary job i mean he said it before how many times that he might quit or something like that. And because of that, I think the things he states during fights and his analysis has slipped up, which is natural, right? Because back in the day, he was way better in my opinion. He was way better. I preferred him over everybody else back then when Josie Aldo was champion and stuff. My favorite commentator today is Daniel Cormier. I know some people don't like some of the things he says and he caters to wrestlers a lot more. But his analysis is usually pretty spot on he brings good energy he makes fights fun i mean he has the whole package you know very smart knows everything that's going on he's kind of like a rogan and dominic cruz mixed together you know like a fusion of them two he has energy like joe rogan and he has analysis similar to like dominic cruz whereas cruz is on one side of the spectrum rogan's on the other Where Cruz is super intelligent in the game, knows everything that's going on Amazing analysis, but really lacks an enthusiasm As well as the energy that comes into the gig Rogan is super high energy Maybe isn't as great with his analysis as some of these other commentators. But he deals really well with you know hyping up the audience, hyping up the listeners, the watchers. And he's by far the best with interviews. I mean, bar none, Rogan is still the best interviewing fighters after fights. But yeah, like you said with the Magomed Sharipov and Stevens fight. There were a lot of moments where he was saying like, Zabita's doing really well. And you know, this is beautiful. That is great. But when Stevens was starting to put it on, Zabita a little bit or pressure him back or halting some of Zabit's offense I mean you don't really hear much from Rogan there but Rogan's human you know if he likes one style and he's a lot more knowledgeable in the in that kind of style such as Zabit's striking game I mean it resembles a lot of what he used to do he will go into that a lot more I mean you've seen such as uh Tiago Santos versus Jimmy Manua you remember when Tiago Santos went for the really slow tornado kick Rogan said that was crazy slow in his words Because that's a technique that he has worked on most of his life, right? But with some other things like Steven's attacks and his brawling style and some boxing combinations and, you know, all that other sort of stuff. It's not really in Rogan's repertoire or his experience with martial arts. But when he sees a spinning kick or he sees something that's based off of Taekwondo or even BJJ, that's when he starts to uh, really light up with enthusiasm and start focusing on that a lot more. That's why you hear it more from him. And then we go to Adam Zawabi Rank these strikers from best to worst Wonderboy, The Spider, Last Bender, The Notorious, The Blessed It's this order in my opinion based on skill efficiency and finishing ability Also, should you train more what you enjoy your strengths or what you don't enjoy weaknesses all right, so you said from best to worst. All right, this is based on skill, efficiency, and finishing ability. Okay. Number one for me then is probably Silva. Because his finishing ability is amongst the highest. I would say Connor is the highest. But in skill and efficiency, Anderson is superior to Conor McGregor, I would say. After that, it gets very close between the strikers. Number two, I would like to say Wonderboy because his skill is out of this world. It's off the charts. His efficiency though... It's kind of back and forth because yes he will dominate and show off his skills against fighters But then there are times where he'll get dropped or knocked out because of that So is he really efficient with what he does? Sometimes he's extremely efficient and sometimes he isn't Sometimes he makes big mistakes which gets him caught And his finishing ability is pretty good but it's on the lower end from these fighters But yes number two I will probably put Wonder Boy. Number three I will put Stylebender so I agree with you on that. Number four, I will say Connor and then Max Holloway because Connor has more finishing ability. Max has more skills. He has more variety, more attacks, all that sort of stuff. But I will say Connor is more efficient. If not, Connor is one of the most efficient out of all of these strikers. He is extremely productive with minimum effort with what he does. He has the least variety out of all of these strikers yeah he has such great results because of it it's pretty much the definition of efficiency and should you train your strengths or weaknesses well train both of course but it's pretty tricky with that sort of thing now it depends where your weaknesses are at are they extremely weak to the point where there's a gaping hole that everybody can exploit they don't even have to be an elite in that area such as terrible takedown defense or something, right? Or even subpar wrestlers or strikers with subpar takedowns can get you to the ground and finish you because of that. If that's the case, definitely focus on that weakness and try to make it capable of thwarting these guys that aren't elite wrestlers or something, you know? But the theory usually goes, such as what Bruce Lee said fear the man that has trained one strike a thousand times rather than the man who trained a thousand strikes one time. If you can really build on your strengths to a point where nobody can really compete with that, it's a hard guy to deal with, such as, you know, Ben Askren or Conor McGregor or Damian Maya. Nobody really wants to get in those kind of exchanges with those guys in their strengths. But because of that, you do leave a lot of holes all over the place. But usually those guys can really, such as Conor McGregor, they can really work on those weaknesses enough to where well, they're pretty good. You know, they're not elite. They're not great, but they're just good enough. And that can leave some openings for their own strengths. You know what I'm saying? Then we go to Kaz Strange. Who do you think you'll most likely survive a round against? So me specifically, um, Nganu Jones or Khabib. Nganu and Jones are pretty heavy, you know, they're a lot bigger than I am. Habib would be in the same weight class as me. So with the size differences, Habib is definitely the guy to pick. Stylistically though, with the techniques that they have, I'd probably say Jones and Ghanu would be tough. You know, I'm a striker more than anything. And I would have to strike with a guy like Nganu And he also has extremely good takedown defense And one area I really lack in is uh, takedowns Going for takedowns is pretty hard for me Not really in my style I guess you would say Jones in the clinch and going for takedowns the way he does I guess it would be It would cater to my style a lot more Khabib would be pretty tough because he kind of clings on to you, lingers on, and he finds his way in. So stylistically I say Jones, but in reality I say Khabib. I mean those three choices are pretty hard to last one round against, you know. Then we go to landed weapons. Which champ will lose their belt next? I'm gonna go with my feeling first and then I'm gonna think about it analytically. My feeling is either Max Holloway or Rose Namajunas. I'd probably say Rose, but analytically, it wouldn't be Rose. I think Rose can be a champion for a long time. Putting my analysis cap on and prediction cap on, which is pretty much luck, I'm going to say Max Holloway. And if it isn't him, I'll say Daniel Cormier. But Daniel Cormier is pretty iffy because I do think he could beat everybody, and Stipe is his biggest challenge by far. But with Max Holloway, with his loss to Dustin Poirier, I think it gives some hope to some of those 145ers and ways to beat Max Holloway. You know, Dustin showed some holes in Holloway's game that fighters have not been able to exploit for a while. I mean Joseolo did a little bit in his first fight but because of that Volkanovski has a very good style to do that keep Holloway busy at all times strike with him you know Volkanovski has excellent cardio great power very fast himself can mix up the game with takedowns very well and Zabit can do that too but Zabit just doesn't have the gas tank so I'd probably say Max Holloway. Cody Russell if Adesanya beats Whitaker, Romero, Souza and Costa would you consider him the middleweight GOAT yeah 100% because I can't consider Anderson PD issues you know but even then, you know, Adasanya beating Whitaker, Romero, Zulza, and Costa, that's a murderer's role that no one has ever faced in comparison. Those four strings of fighters to beat those guys back to back to back to back, that is the strongest resume for four fighters I've ever seen. 100% middleweight GOAT. It's a tall order. Really tall order. Now, he has a chance against Whitaker. It's a striking match. Stylistically, it caters to him a lot more. Romero, though, that's a nightmare matchup among nightmare matchups like what Romero does very well Adesanya doesn't do that well right in fighting big power elite level wrestling athleticism that surpasses Adesanya's speed to get on the inside of those strikes I mean Romero does a lot of damage to a guy like Adesanya Souza be a pretty tough fight of course Souza getting Adesanya to the ground would be tough. Yeah, I do favor Adesanya though. I think his striking with his length, with his footwork, distance management. And I think his takedown defense is actually good enough to stop some of Souza's takedowns. Kulsta would be an interesting fight I do see Adesanya TKOing him but it'd be a very scary fight until that happens The thing is Colsta doesn't really do good with straight punches Kind of stays in the way of them he tries to dodge and slip on all of them but his slipping is not that quick Then we go to wrestler kickboxer how would these fights go? Barboza versus Wonderboy at 170 Man after what Pettis did to Wonderboy I have no idea Actually stylistically I would stick with Barboza leg kicks will destroy Wonderboy's legs I think he's a more effective kicker than Wonderboy I mean I believe Barboza is the best kicker to ever compete in MMA or at least the UFC and Wonderboy doesn't really like to get in close that's where he would want to be he likes to make it a distance fight but Barboza has the longest distance strikes that can land and those are the leg kicks so it kind of does Wonderboy some damage there to fight a guy like Barboza and Barboza will go up to 170 you know just like Pettis he's gonna have more power in his hits and he is faster than Wonderboy a lot faster so I should go with Barboza and another thing is whenever we saw Muay Thai fighters fight these karate fighters or Taekwondo fighters the Muay Thai fighters really destroyed those karate fighters legs you know we can see a modern version of that Kevin Lee versus Masvidal at 170. I would go with Masvidal I think his takedown defense is good it won't be enough to stop all the takedowns but it would be enough to create some scrambles as well as create some opportunities for the boxing of Masvidal Mazdal will light up Kevin Lee on the feet like a Christmas tree I just think Mazdal is so solid in all the grappling and wrestling aspects And is extremely dangerous in the striking for a guy like Kevin Lee It'd be a close fight up until I think Mazdal TKO's him later in the fight Ponzinibbio versus Wonderboy That's a tough fight That's a hard one to call You know what because Wonderboy doesn't have his chin anymore really can't recover because he can't take the punches like he used to I mean look at that Pettis fight it's just you know if you're getting knocked out by Pettis by a punch like that what could Ponzinibbio do to you? I mean Ponzinibbio is knocking out people with jabs a jab from Ponzinibbio can probably do enough to knock down Wonderboy and his light kicks are dangerous his pressure brings a lot of opportunities for him he could just get countered a little bit from Wonderboy and that's going to be a problem but Ponsonibio is really good at snapping in and back with that jab right and it's a very safe attack he's fast with that lead hand but if he lands that right hand one time on Wonderboy it's over it's game over so I actually go with Poncinibio. it would be a close one though I'd love to see that RDA versus Wonderboy I'd go with Wonderboy in this one too long too fast more power, Take that defense is great It's a hard fight for RDA Rockhold versus Anthony Smith I mean this fight is getting brewed up for no reason I mean it came out of nowhere right? Rockhold just talking trash like straight trash about Anthony Smith and Smith is a real one I mean you can't talk about this guy disrespect this guy and he really takes it to heart and I think he's the kind of guy that fights really well angry one of those guys almost like a Cody Garbrandt when he fought Dominic Cruz I think technically Rockhold's a better fighter right better ground game better wrestling and a little bit more technical with his striking but he doesn't have the chin right Anthony Smith can knock him out with anything Anthony Smith hits really hard and Anthony Smith has a really good submission game if it goes to the ground I think Rockhold submits Anthony Smith or TKOs him with ground and pound on the feet I think Smith knocks out Rockhold it's a tough one to call because Smith was taken down by Volkan I believe right because of that i want to side with rockhold but i don't know why man i just see smith landing that bomb and putting down rockhold so my gut feeling is smith but i want to side with rockhold so i'll side with rockhold even though my gut feeling is usually more accurate with these kind of things then we go to ben paddock what do you think of eddie alvarez and dj's debut in one much love from england yes i wanted to talk about this can't believe i forgot about it well, it just showed that one fighters are greatly underestimated. I mean, I have underestimated them. I think it's actually more that we just don't know about them. You know, there isn't as much exposure over here on the Western Hemisphere or even in Europe and other stuff. I don't know if Europeans know more about one than uh, than the Americas do, but yeah. To beat a guy like Eddie Alvarez, what was his name? Um, Saryukian or something? That guy put it on Alvarez. I mean, I don't know if they test over there because <laughs> the guy looked pretty jacked. Eddie Alvarez is pretty... Built himself And Nestukian That guy made Eddie Alvarez look like a 135er out there I mean that guy was pretty jacked And his striking is decent I mean very good Almost like a brawling style in a sense But a lot more technical A lot more precise Than Alvarez's And the reason why Alvarez went down It was because he got hit in the eye pretty good I mean it was a pretty nasty eye injury after the fight So I saw people saying that Eddie didn't have the fire anymore He doesn't have the motivation But I guess the damage like that is enough to put him down and Enough to stop him from fighting back I mean that guy hits hard man You could see in his form You could see in the explosiveness of his strikes Yukin is really nasty And as for DJ THIS one was a shocker I mean when he fought Yuya Wakamatsu Johnson was getting lit up by those uppercuts like I have never seen in my entire life I have seen John Dodson knock down Johnson a couple times in the first three rounds or so First two rounds I think But this one was different I mean he was really calculating Demetrius coming in and firing up those uppercuts And Johnson just couldn't find his way around him in the striking I mean we're talking about one of the greatest fighters of all time in their prime Having trouble with a guy like Wakamatsu I don't know anything about Wakamatsu. He doesn't have a Wikipedia page. But of course, Johnson going to be able to take Wakamatsu to the ground and submit him. That is what Johnson is best at. His striking is good, but isn't as good as his grappling and wrestling. And that fight really showed that. But here's another thing. Wakamatsu was clearly the bigger fighter. And Johnson weighed, what, 135 pounds? Yeah, 135 pounds. He's a small fighter, man. He's a small fighter. Now, I understand people are going to be weighing around the same, but... Johnson usually walks around 140. I would have to say Wakamatsu probably walks around almost 145 150 ish He's the bigger fighter in there and everybody Johnson is gonna be fighting now are probably gonna be the bigger fighter in there And that's another thing we have to take note But the grand scheme the whole story about this entire thing was UFC may have the absolute best fighters But they definitely do not have all of the great fighters. There's guys over there at one That can probably become UFC champions and we don't even know it. Guys without Wikipedia pages that nobody knows about is able to give someone like Demetrius Johnson, one of the greatest fighters of all time, the greatest 125 pounder of all time, broke the UFC record for title defenses, able to give that guy a hard time. Wow. That excites me beyond belief because I love finding out about new talent and undiscovered skills out there, undiscovered martial artists out there. And Wakamatsu is one of those guys. And he showed that there's probably many others over there. Great time to be an MMA fan. Because now we know. Oh there's other guys. Oh there's other guys from different organizations. What do you know? And it gives us reasons to watch those organizations now. Because of those two fights. I am making more time to go and watch the one fights. Go and watch KSW. Go and watch these other organizations where. I wasn't really doing it. To be honest I didn't have enough time to really watch all of those cards. But I want to make time to do that now. Tony Solomon, Brock versus top 15 heavyweights. I knew one of these questions would be coming. And I like these kind of questions. So Brock versus Andre Lovsky, I would stick with Brock. The wrestling's too strong. Versus Blagoy Ivanov. Again, I go with Brock Lesnar, but the striking is gonna be dicey. I think Brock is just too big at the end of the day. Against Marching Tibora, I'll go with Brock Lesnar The wrestling again is too strong And he has the power to knock out Tibora Who doesn't really have a great chin Tied to ivasa That's a scary fight for Brock Lesnar Ivasa seems to have pretty good take on defense, right? If I'm not wrong And he has great power, much better striker than Brock is I stick with Brock because Toi has never faced that kind of a wrestler before Justin Willis I will go with Brock Lesnar Again the wrestling is too strong I think he went by a decision Versus Shamil Abdul uh, That's has a tough fight for Brock as well Good wrestler, good grappler, great power he has the skills to beat a guy like Brock Lesnar 100%. I want to side with Shamil. I really do. But I think Brock may just be a little bit too strong past that wrestling. Alexei Oleinik, Man, that fight can go either way. That's a 50-50 fight. The striking would be horrendous to watch. I mean, that's probably what the fight would come down to. A striking match. And that would be very sloppy. I think Brock has more power. Alexei is a lot more unorthodox. He could potentially land on Brock but Brock has a pretty good chin. Alexei is also a pretty good chin. I'd probably go with Brock Lesnar. He can dictate the fight and the size and the power would probably do Alexei in. Versus Cain Velasquez. Again I'll go with Cain even today. Alistair Overeem. I'll go with Alistair Overeem. Takedown defense is too good. Striking would destroy Brock in every facet. Alexander Volkov. I'll go with Brock Lesnar. Volkov's takedown defense is horrendous if I'm going to be honest. And that's enough. If it's horrendous, that you just created a path for Brock to beat you. Derek Lewis, I'll go Brock Lesnar. He's too smart. He has higher fight IQ. Wrestling is too strong. Bigger guy. It'd be a tough fight for Derek Lewis. Curtis Blades I'll go Curtis Blades better striker good wrestling good wrestling takedown defense I believe he's going to be able to probably scramble a little bit he's a fast guy himself athletic guy himself I think Blades is enough to do it JDS I'm going to go JDS amazing takedown defense great power just superior all around striking and way faster Francis Ngannou I go with Francis Ngannou one touch is enough to put out Brock Lesnar I believe and insane takedown defense like I said before I see an uppercut landing for Ngannou in that one and Stipe Miocic I got Stipe very good wrestling good wrestling takedown defense superior boxing pretty much you know like a lot of these other guys, are very similar to JDS's advantages But you can also take down Brock himself, you know Daniel Cormier, again I got Cormier Similar reasons again Could stop the takedowns, can go for takedowns if he wants to Superior boxing, I mean a lot of guys seem to have that kind of style Cormier, Stipe, you know Curtis Blades Cain Velasquez, Shamil, Justin Willis you know a lot of these guys have that kind of style okay last one on YouTube because I was about to go to Twitter but this question really intrigued me Wyatt Boyd since a Whitaker vs Adesanya fight is inevitable now how do you see that fight playing out if Whitaker wins who should he fight next and if Adesanya loses who should he fight next also do you see Poirier actually being a legitimate challenge to Khabib and who should Tony fight how do I see Whitaker versus Adesanya playing out? I see Whitaker, TKO, and Adesanya in about the 3rd or 4th round. One thing I really wanted to see in this Kelvin Gastelum fight is how can Kelvin get in in the long range of Adesanya. And he was able to do that very very well and very quickly. And he is nowhere near in the ability of getting in on fighters as quick as Whitaker. Whitaker has probably the greatest stutter step I have seen in the UFC. I mean watch him fight Jacare for an example. Look at those stutter steps he was able to get on Jacory and really redirect and also cut off his timing every single time to get in on Jacory. His left hand is amazing. I think that left hand is going to set up everything against Adesanya. And Adesanya doesn't really throw too many jabs. But when he does, they are usually kind of in the pocket. They're never used to get opponents off of him. You know what I'm saying? And he's going to need something like that. He usually tries to counter. He usually likes to throw the right hand. And Whitaker is just too smart, too quick on gauging the straight punches of his opponents and getting on the inside of them. He has also fought a guy like Uriah Hall who has a very similar style, very similar build, very quick and powerful striker and able to get past him very similarly, you know. He was able to fight Derek Bronson who also had a reach advantage over him and able to counter a guy that much of a berserker every single time with that left hand of his and also switch stances backwards and throw those check hooks with a reach disadvantage he is very good at dealing with guys with a longer reach than he has, and I believe in the infighting which Whitaker really likes to stay on he is gonna give Adesanya a ton of problems the inside punches Really good at timing that right hand of his. His hooks are amazing. But I believe his jab coming on the inside with some of his stutter steps. Gauging the long range attack of Adesanya is going to be enough to really disrupt a lot of what Adesanya is going to be able to do. The only thing I would say Whitaker should really worry about are some of the head kicks and the knees from Adesanya coming in. Those are going to be the biggest threats for Whitaker so at the end I see Whitaker finding his way on the inside through his left hand fighting on the inside a little bit making Adesanya uncomfortable because Adesanya seems to really just use footwork and use his power hand whenever he is getting pressured or whenever the opponent is able to get on the inside of him and Adesanya does overextend on his right hand and it really showed in the Kelvin Gastelum fight especially when he got knocked down in the first round remember he threw a counter right straight and overextended and because of that Kelvin was able to track him down with the right hook if Whitaker gets you in that same position it could be a fight ending sequence for Adesanya so I got Whitaker TKOing Adesanya in the third or fourth round and if he wins he should fight the winner of Jacare versus Jack Hermanson easy and there are a couple reasons for that one he kind of wins the title shot by default because Romero is inactive right now Rockle's moving up Jacques is the next contender, and Jacques is coming off a win over Chris Weidman, who was a top five fighter. And if he beats Jack Hermanson, he's on a two-fight win streak. He kind of wins it by default. I understand he lost to Whitaker, but there's really nobody else, unless you want to go to Paulo Costa, but he's untested. You can't do Romero really because he just fought Whitaker. There's really nobody else there, unless you want to do Kelvin. You know, because he put on such a good fight and he already beat Jacare But if Jack Hermanson beats Jacare that's a no brainer. And for Adasanya, if he loses, I think Adasanya should be fighting the loser of Jacare versus Jack Hermanson. Or he could fight Chris Wyman because Wyman's saying some things, who I love to see him fight. Put him against Paulo Costa. I think that's a great fight for both of them. I think Adasanya should win, but that'd be a wild fight. And the rest of it I kind of already uh, answered in the beginning of the podcast. So, we're gonna start with Lord Fire at Lord Fire 2810. Hey Weasel, what's up? Here's my questions Habib versus Wonderboy at 165. I do have Habib on that one. He's gonna be a lot more powerful. He could land some punch on Wonderboy because of his wrestling threat. And if he gets Wonderboy to the ground, it's over. It's game over. Tough on the new belt. It looks a little bit strange. I do prefer the old belt. This one does look like a toy you can buy at Toys R Us. does look kind of like a Power Ranger world title. But I guess it's more expensive. There's more like jewelry and gold on it and stuff. I think I'll find my way around it. Macy Barber is hot. Okay, that's not a question, but uh, I kind of disagree. But it's okay. Everyone has their taste. Continue your work. You're the best. P.S. I like to see the podcast a little bit more often. Because it's awesome. Yeah, I have some people telling me should do it a lot more often. I was doing it every week, but it was taking a toll on me. I mean, these podcasts do take a pretty long time to make. It seems like it come out every two and a half weeks or so, three weeks. I don't like that either. I want to get it every other week. But there's always a lot of content that comes through my head to make. So yeah, I'm going to try to get it on a schedule. I'm really bad at schedules if you guys haven't noticed. I never want to make a deadline for myself. I'm with that with everything. You know, school, work, everything. Whenever there's a deadline, I'm just not good with it. You know, especially with this kind of stuff with where I can make the content. I always have new ideas. I always have these new ideas that want to get out right away. It gets me so interested in the older stuff. I'm like, oh, wait, I forgot I should be doing this. But I want to do this one really bad, you know. Then we go to at pan underscore log. Uncle Dana said in an interview that Conor McGregor is not retired and he will meet in a few weeks to quote unquote make him happy. He also said that the biggest fights to make in the UFC are Floyd versus Conor in MMA, I mean obviously, and Habib versus Conor rematch, obviously. So what's next for Conor? Um, saying those is really not saying much. I mean, anything with Conor is the biggest fight in the UFC. I don't want to see either of those fights. I mean, Floyd versus Conor, fine, whatever, who cares? Alright, Connor's gonna destroy Floyd without breaking a sweat, broke him a fight in the next coming months. Habib versus Conor is definitely a fight I do not want to see right now. Connor needs to get some wins. There have been rumors about Connor versus Justin Gaethje which is an amazing fight. I would love to see that one. As well as Connor versus Tony Ferguson. If I had to bet, the one that makes more sense will be Tony versus Connor because. Tony has more of a name than Justin Gaethje does, right? He's more popular through social media. I mean, fans know him more. The casual fans know him more, especially because he was the co-main event of the UFC 229 card, and the winner gets a title shot. That's how it would work, and it's a fight that would get Tony Ferguson out of bed, in a sense. You know, it'll get Tony Ferguson motivated because Tony would want to fight someone like Conor, you know, life-changing money and stuff, too. And if Tony would beat Conor McGregor, which is a big big possibility if not a favored outcome he can get back-to-back big money fights against Habib now you know so it's a great thing for Tony I think that's the fight that would make sense it rewards every party involved the fans will love it too that would be the next fight I would think then we go to Kiwi104 at 104, Kiwi 1044 Javier Mendez said two things about Habib recently okay it's Javier Mendez, so obviously he's gonna be a little bit biased to his guy so number one that no one in the lightweight division can stop his takedowns agree no because T Ball stopped all of his takedowns before but he's saying today who can stop his takedowns I mean we have seen fighters stop his takedowns we've seen Iaquinta stop him some of them but there's a guy named Gregor Gillespie and there's a guy named Justin Gaethje who would beg to differ now I believe he will get down Justin Gaethje in like the third fourth and fifth rounds and the first two rounds is going to be really hard but in terms of what he's saying that no one can stop his takedowns just in case he will stop takedowns in the first two rounds 100% if not all of them Gregor Gillespie though try taking that guy down it's gonna be really really tough for Habib to get a guy down like Gregor Gillespie I expect Habib to make it a striking match in that fight because he does have superior striking and number two that the only reason his fights ever get competitive is Habib chooses to keep his standing sometimes basically he can take his opponents down at will do you agree and does this show that he has a discipline problem keeping fights in the feet when he shouldn't he did this in the Iaquinta fight. That's the only fight I really noticed. Oh, yeah, he actually did it in the Connor as well as the Barbosa fights. I mean, Khabib's not tired and he's not attempting takedowns. So that pretty much tells you, yeah, he's keeping these standing on purpose. Against Barbosa, he was rushing him down. Remember those combinations, those blitz that he was throwing at Barbosa? And he wasn't really attempting takedowns for some time? That was a moment. And against Iaquinta, I mean, you could see him. He was so nonchalant with his jabs, just sitting on the outside, throwing these jabs, popping them in his face. Really had no threat from Iaquinta. Quinto was really making the fight very slow because he was anticipating the takedown so much and it just allowed Habib to box his face up and against Conor for that third round did he even attempt to take no he attempted to take down at the end of the round right but for almost the entire round he didn't even attempt to takedown, and that is very unlike Habib. but then in the fourth round he went back to takedowns so I think he is doing it on purpose and those guys yes those guys are gonna have a hard time stopping all of his takedowns But again, Gregor Gillespie and Justin Gaichi are the two guys that can really rival Habib in the wrestling, I believe. John Jones versus Adesanya is a terrible fight. I don't know why people are hyping this thing up. I mean, Jones would dominate that fight. I understand Adesanya is a much better striker, but man, Jones is just too big. His wrestling will be too strong. Okay. Last one, I'll go with Fat Doggo at UA Smatiko. Why do you think Robert will beat Arasanya? Dan Hardy was saying it's an easier matchup for Israel since Robert attacks in a line very straight. Is it the versatility of Robert? He throws more variety than Gaslam and has different ways to close the distance. Yes, he attacks in straight lines when he's moving forward, but don't get the mistake with his footwork. His footwork is not always in straight lines. He will go off angles before he attacks. So yes, he attacks, quote unquote, attacks, in straight lines when he's throwing punches but his movement before and after are not always in straight lines. So his movement is gonna be able to get himself in that distance through these angles before he attacks. He's done it many times. Look at this Jacques Ray fight. The Jacre fight showed some of his best footwork abilities. Derek Brunson, when he's getting pushed back, I understand it's not how this fight's gonna go, but even going backwards, look at his footwork, look at his foot placement, look at his attacks, look at his counterattacks. Very much lateral. So yes, I highly recommend you guys to watch the Ronaldo Souza fight with Robert Whitaker. I mean, Dan Hardy is right that Robert attacks in straight lines, but so does Kelvin Gaslam. Gaslam not only attacks in straight lines, his footwork, his movement is also in straight lines. Almost everything he does is in a straight line. And he was able to get in on Adesanya. So what does that tell you? Whitaker is a lot more versatile with all of that stuff. And he's bigger. And he's much faster with his movement. And he's a lot more defensively responsible. He's able to block and evade shots way better than Kelvin's able to. And he's not going to have as much of a size discrepancy and reach discrepancy than Kelvin had. And here are also a couple other nuggets when it comes to the Kelvin and Whitaker differences in a fight with Israel Adesanya. We also saw Kelvin land a head kick. Right, he kind of drew out the same counter shot that Odyssey was looking for the entire fight. And who does that job better than Whitaker? I mean, you guys have to remember all the head kicks Whitaker lands on his opponents. From Jacare to Derek Brunson to Yuval Romero. His stutter steps are extremely hard to figure out. It's very hard to figure out when he's going to throw punches. When he's going to commit with a combination. All sort of stuff, right? He comes forward with a jab or he fakes the jab. And usually off the stutter step, he'll find a slight angle. Sometimes moving in a straight line. But a slight angle off the center line into the opponent and throw a right hand or a lunging left hook or a lunging left uppercut. That he was able to throw many times at all Romero. And from throwing these punching combinations off of his stutter step, all of a sudden he gives you that same look. He moves forward suddenly, throws a jab. You think he's going to stutter step or come in with a punch again. And he's throwing up the right high kick. He caught Derek Brunson like this, Jacques Ray like this, and Yoel Romero. Kelvin, who doesn't really throw high kicks ever, able to catch Israel Adesanya with one, even being so much shorter, where I think Robert Whitaker is 6'1 or something. He's going to be able to get the kick up there and capitalize on bringing out and baiting some of those counter shots from Adesanya. So not only is Whitaker a faster overall mover, as well as being more versatile than Kelvin Gaslam, he has a much better deceptive game. So that's the end of the podcast, guys. I hope you guys enjoyed the podcast. And if you did, make sure you give it a like. And make sure to subscribe to my YouTube channel if you're listening to the audio version of this. My next video is going to be the prediction video for this weekend's UFC card. It actually looks pretty nice. Some good fights on there. Again, thank you guys so much for watching. Thank you guys so much for listening. And I'll see you in the next episode.